Welcome everyone to the Cardano Effect Podcast, episode 77. The purpose of this podcast is to take high-level developer information and projects that are occurring within the Cardano space and break them down into bite-sized, consumable pieces of information for everyday use. I'm your host, Philippe, and let's get this podcast started. The hosts of the Cardano Effect are Rick and myself. We want to thank everyone for joining us today. Today's episode is going to be a live stream episode. So this is where we cover the latest and greatest news from the Cardano ecosystem. We also head over to the YouTube chat so you can ask us questions in real time. We apologize in advance if we don't get to every single one of your questions, but we try to. And this can be an interactive and fun experience. So we really appreciate everyone spending their Saturday with us wherever you are on this planet. And it's been a very eventful week. It's been a very eventful couple of weeks. We'd like to also talk about some of the accomplishments of the Cardano Effect podcast this month. We had three special guests this month. We had Jonathan Dunsmore, who was a blockchain attorney. Uh, We also had Nicolas Arqueros, who is the chief technical officer at Emergo. He's also a council member at the Cardano Foundation. And we also had Manmeet Singh, who is the chief investment officer at Emergo. And he is also the vice chairperson at the Cardano Foundation. Three great episodes, three great guests. I'd like to remind everyone that everyone has different curated tastes. And this is the beautiful thing about the Cardano Effect podcast. We have a plethora of different episodes, whether you like guests from Emergo IOHK, the Cardano Foundation, you like to hear from stake pool operators, or you just like to chill and watch us do our live stream episodes when we do it on the weekends. We have content for everyone. So if you're not liking and subscribing to the channel, please consider doing that now. Hit that subscribe button. That's what you can do to help support us. So without further ado, we're going to get right into this live stream episode. I'd like to remind everyone that none of what we say in this podcast is financial advice. Remember, you are your best financial advisor. And if you don't think you are, you need to find someone who's qualified to do so. Rick, how are you doing this morning? What's going on? How are the markets treating you today? And uh, what's what's special? Hey, I'm doing great, Philippe. Markets are doing what they do. Number go up, number go down. You know, I learned to tolerate it over the years. You know, you just it is what it is. Uh, but I do. Let me give a shout out to our sponsor, the Cardano Foundation. Thank you, Cardano Foundation, for sponsoring this podcast. We very much appreciate all that you do for the podcast. And we should have more. We'll have some more podcasts coming up uh, with the Cardano Foundation. And we'll also still have podcasts with our friends over at IOHK. IOHK has sponsored this podcast for 72 episodes, 15 months. And we're very appreciative of that as well. So thank you for that. A reminder to any new viewers, this podcast is available on all major streaming apps. If it's not available on your favorite app, email us at thecardanoeffect at gmail.com and we will work to get it put on your favorite apps. Uh, we got to put on TuneIn, Radio Public, all kinds of other apps that we have on there, Deezer and the, the, all streaming platforms. So main things Philippe and I are going to be going in today is we had the big OBFT hard fork, current status of the test net the donations to Wyoming, and we're going to go through the Reddit recap. I also have some personal questions that people ask me on Telegram. I'm going to throw those out to the community as well. And if you have questions in a live chat, please let us know. That's why we do this live stream is so that people can ask real-time questions and have real-time dialogue and help each other out in the chat. So what's our what was first on our list, Philippe? Was OBFT hard fork? Yes, let's talk about that. The word OBFT, the hard fork is a very scary word for crypto community because in the past, if you've been around blockchain for a while, you think of hard fork as like a Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV. It seems like a very contentious situation, but this wasn't a contentious hard fork. We were actually planning to do this for a while now. 
the Cardano effect actually had an episode with Duncan Coots almost a year ago, maybe like 10 months ago, where we talked about the OBFT hard fork and what it would mean for Cardano. So right now we're in, well, the hard fork happened, so we're we're migrating, but we were in the Byron era. Byron hasn't, I don't know if it's been deprecated yet, but this OBFT hard fork, the purpose of it is for us to migrate from Byron to Shelly. So we were going from Ouroboros Classic, we did the OBFT hard fork, and then we're going to hit Ouroboros Genesis. And it's sort of a, a, a bridge protocol in order to get us from one stage to the other, because you don't want to just jump straight from the Byron straight to Shelly. Things need to go in a sequential manner. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. I have a few thoughts. I hope that uh, we don't stay long within this OBFT hard fork and we move to Shelly as quick as possible. And I know the team is working on it, but uh, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts, Rick. Yeah, we won't be in the OBFT phase long. I don't know how long, but uh, the way Duncan Coots described it is it's a simpler protocol. It works only for the federated version of the protocol, and it's simpler to aid in the transition as Philippe was describing. And so there will be another hard fork going into the Shelly mainnet at some point where the OBFT and the Shelly can run, maybe not concurrently, but they can snug up next to each other and then shift over into Shelly with no problems. And that was the key. So there was a lot, there's been a lot going on the last couple of weeks. Yes. One is that hard fork. You don't have to do anything. So for the users, you didn't have to do anything. It already occurred. It's over. Nothing to do. It was mainly uh, on the IOHK federated servers and on the exchanges or maybe the exchanges, but the exchanges also had something going on too with the um, the new wallet backend. And that's the next subject we we're going to hit. So uh, would you, would you think anything else on the hard fork? Um, yes. Also would like to remind everyone that um, also Duncan Coots said that during the OBFT period, we're actually subject to like a one third adversarial stake. So there's usually 51% attacks. That's, that's what people are worried about with proof of stake protocols. And we won't be 51% resistant until we hit Shelly. But right now in that OBFT period, it would only take one third adversarial stake to basically destroy the network. So that's why I, I emphasize that speed is of the utmost importance. We're still within the test net. So it's not like super vulnerable. It sounds super vulnerable at this point, but uh, one third adversarial stake is a little bit worrisome. It is. And it's on the main net. So the OBFT on the main net and the one third, that means that one entity would have to own one third of the ADA, not a stake pool. Yeah. So there were some conversations about a stake pool having one third of the stake, but it doesn't work like that. It doesn't matter how much stake is on a stake pool. They don't control that ADA. They don't control it. So it doesn't matter how much stake is on a pool. It's how much stake is owned by that one individual. And if any one entity owned 33% at any point in history, then they would be able to conduct an attack. And then once it goes to Shelly mainnet, it will be 51%. So at any point in the history of the blockchain, if anyone entity, at this point in time, no one ever has. So the probability of getting 51% is extremely small. Even the probability of getting a third at this point. I mean, existing actors, it would be a little bit more difficult. I mean, a little bit easier, but new actors, new adversarial actors. I mean, you'd have to spend hundreds of millions, if not billions, to acquire that amount of stake. And that would cause extreme price increases and 
it would just exponentially get higher and higher as the person is trying to liquidate as many exchanges as possible. I just don't think there's enough ADA out there for that to even happen right now. Correct. I don't think there is either. And I think just to make sure it's clear, people realize that one third or 51% of ADA doesn't mean 10 billion or 15 billion ADA or the price. It's a half the distance to the goal problem. Every Mm -hmm. time you got half the distance to getting to the 51% marker, you're going to at least double the price of ADA. So by the time you ever get there, if you keep going half the distance, you never get there. Exactly. So if someone were to 51% attack it, we'd all be millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I by guess the time they a- got there, <laughs> by the time they got there, we'd be all millionaires and they'd probably never get there. <laughs> Interesting so, thing about proof of stake. <laughs> so we'll let you know if it's happening in real time because you'll see the price and everyone can cash out and we yeah. hit the moon early. So yeah, if it happens, we'll live stream it. We'll live stream if it happens. All right. How's that sound? We'll yeah. be on the air like bam. <laughs> watch. Look at, we'll pull up coin market cap and just watch the little thing go parabolic. sounds good sounds good sounds good. yeah there's some other live streams we need to we need to do one with the stake pool operators we need to do some kind of a launch okay i'm expecting at least another stake pool episode maybe march 1st with pool operators and we do have some interest in doing a live launch we'll figure out what that means and what that looks like but there is interest from the pool operators and i think that would be really cool i think that'd be great if we get all the pool operators up live, bringing up Haskell nodes, that would be cool, man. Oh, it would be. It would be. Rick has said this before, but our Zoom account takes 100 users. So we'd 100. Like, we'd like to fill it completely. We're going to be the Brady Bunch of uh, Cardano. We're going to have 100 squares. So it would be madness. <laughs> yeah. If we ever bring you in for a live stream, remember, use Chrome or Firefox. Always wear headsets. You notice me, Philippe, and Joe Rogan. Or, or we're very similar, right? And, and all three of us wear headphones. You got to wear headphones. Yeah. If you don't wear headphones, it's not going to work. So if you come on our live stream, make sure you wear headphones. Yes. Yes. It'll echo. Yes. All right. I'll make sure Joe Rogan's aware of that too. Cool. <laughs> right. We have good times on this, on, on the live stream episodes. So. We do. So th- what was our next section? Uh, update on the status of the test net. Okay. Yes. And I'm going to do a screenshot on that. Okay. Okay. So the current status of the test net is on the pool perspective, it is extremely stable. From the Daedalus wallet user perspective, it is very frustrating because a lot of Daedalus wallet users cannot get to the test net. The problem where that occurs, and I'll come back to the, I'll come back to test net, but the problem that the users are having with the Daedalus wallets on the test net is when it first boots up, it reaches out to the IOHK peers and it finds out who it's supposed to be talking to, updates the blockchain to the current state. It gets the other peers, such as the pool operators, and then it starts communicating with the pools. But I think they are struggling to optimize that process because it is a complex process that does take some time. It is taking quite some time to get there, but at least it, the, you know, the efforts are in progress. So I think that's where most of the problems with the Daedalus wallet are coming from. It's not Daedalus itself. 2.1.0 is the latest version, but it's the trusted peers when it goes to connect to the network. It's not getting a good full grasp of the network because of the uh, network problems. And that kind of leads us over to the network part. But any questions on Daedalus? Does anyone have questions on Daedalus? If you have problems with Daedalus, make sure you're on the latest 2.1.0. And if you can't get it resolved, uh, jump on Uroi. Give Uroi a shot. Yes. 
Um, the difference is on, on Daedalus, you can make multiple, multiple wallets. On For Yoroi for now, you can only make one wallet per account, but you can make multiple Chrome accounts so that you can do more wallets. We have some questions. LG Bino, how are you doing, Luke? Oh, answering a question. There are certain wallets which haven't upgraded yet. Atomic is one. Message to people to not worry. Emergo's working with them to get it upgraded. Atomic has said if people need access to their funds now, they can contact them and they will work with users to get their ADA. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yep. And I had a question from DJ Diablo. Let me find that again. I get lost in the uh, weeds here. It was a really good question. Okay. So DJ asked, why is IOHK spending so many resources nowadays improving Rust nodes on Jormungandr versions if Rust won't be used at all in the mainnet? Now, I can't answer that authoritatively because I don't represent IOHK. However, they do want to get the network side with the TCPIP correct on the Rust because they can more rapidly update Rust and get that right so that when they do launch the Haskell node, that the Haskell node is more performant. So it doesn't have to go through the same growing pains. Because you know, on the Haskell side, that one's audited by R9B. They're very meticulous with the code on the Haskell side. The Rust side of the code, they're following the specs, but there's a little more flexibility in building it. And there is some QA, but it doesn't go through the entire process where they can more rapidly release the uh, Rust code. Okay. So the, hopefully that answers the question is that it's the get it right in the, in the Rust code base. So when you launch the Haskell code base, that it's, it, it's performing precisely the way it was intended. I don't know. Does that sound right? I hope that, that yeah. I hope I answered your question. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I'm not an expert. I can't, I can't answer precisely, but hopefully that's, that's good enough. For yes. Now. Yes. Yes. Rick, I probably have a follow-up question for you because everyone is wondering Rust versus Haskell, how they're allocating the resources. I mean, you pretty much answered the question there, but can we expect, what do you expect as far as the improvement from Rust until we hit Haskell? Do you think there's going to be a significant improvement as far as wallet connectivity, pool operator efficiency, and any of those factors? I have no idea. I'm going to think of the Papa John's commercial where they say better ingredients, better pizza. I got my fingers crossed, and I'm just hoping if you got better ingredients on the Haskell side, you got better software. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's all I could enough. say, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that, yeah, uh, I I anticipate it, it'll run better. There is software out there running on it on the latest back end. So another thing in the latest news was the the, the new back end on the mainnet on Cardano Node and the Cardano Explorer. I assume those are Haskell based. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I assume they are. I don't know. It doesn't come with a label. I don't know if Haskell is a silver bullet that will cure all woes. I hope it is. But, you know, we'll have to wait and we'll see. see. Yes. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Oh, the other. So the other part of this segment with Daedalus Wallet was also the test net itself. So I got pool tool. Can I do a screen share? Go for it. All right. Let me let me uh, go into pool tool for people who are not familiar with this. I'm going to I'm going to screen share this. And I'll show you where I'm at. All right. So on Pool Tool, if you go to the top left little hamburger, this little thing's called a hamburger. You go to Network Health. I mean, that's what some people call it, this little thing, hamburger. And you select Network Health. It pulls up the graphs to show you how everything's doing. These are really cool graphs made by Papa Karp, Steak Pool Love. And he also has love in German and Japanese. So network health over here has improved. It's above the 90 percentile for most of the time. You'll see it over on the right. But over here, you have the Jormungandr version. Okay, now the latest release of Jormungandr was 0811. If you look at this graph, the majority of the network, 
that's reporting is on 089. So the pool operators pretty much rejected 0810. I didn't like it either. It had, I got the REST API error on 0810. And some people had stuck block heights. Then people went on to 0811. This little blue wedge represents 0811. Okay. The majority of people were on 089, which is from two weeks ago, which appears to be the most performant. It has the least number of stuck block heights. Now of the 089, let's go to the next graph in the middle. And you see this, these are the forks of Yeoman Gander 089. So there's two weeks worth of updates, 0810 and 11. People are kind of like, pool operators are kind of rejecting it. So on 089, the largest section here is fork 46 Delta Foxtrot 06 Charlie 7. And this is the one I'm using. This is the Michael Fazio modified version. So Michael Fazio, a community member and software engineer, forked the code as well as other folks. And so these are forks. All right. Now, to keep in mind what the, the changes are, to put this in perspective, this code is still over 99% of IOHK code. And then Michael Fazio tweaked stuff in the polder cast and he, you know, he tweaked less than 1%. I don't know how much, I'm just throwing a number on there to give you an idea. Less than 1% of the code, he put the tweaks on where the problem areas were and it did solve the problems because currently I'm running this version, the 089, they call it stable alpha six is the latest. And I think these are versions of stable alpha five and four, but I don't remember the numbers precisely. I do remember this number precisely. And then there's other people that made variants of 089. So I just wanted to give you an idea what that meant. It's still, you know, over 99% IOHK code. And then Michael Fazio put some corrections in there. Okay. On that. So I'm going to stop the screen share. Any questions on the graphs? And you can see over here, 0811. So people kind of skip 0810. You got nine, you got 11, and then you got other variants. One guy's even still running 085. <laughs> he's a trooper. He's, he's a trooper. He's, He's diehard on 085. He's right. He's sticking to it. We just uh, did 0.811. I mean, we got stuck on a fork on one of the epochs a couple epochs ago. So we we upgraded and uh, it's it's working a little bit better for us. But my shout out to Michael Fazio for doing a a nice and complete build. Yeah. And and tweaking the fine points, you know, yeah. of the software where he he thought it may be sticking points. I don't know what the network effect is of that because the next version of Daedalus that's coming out, I saw a GitHub commit pushed. And I'm not real smart on GitHub, but I saw it push. I try to step back, look at the big picture. If I look at the details, I'll get lost. Step back and look at the big picture. 0811 backend was pushed to Daedalus for the next release. The network is running on 089. What's that going to do to the network? I don't know. You would think the network would need to be on 0811 also to find out truly what the total network effects are, because this is a decentralized network and uh, you, you, you don't know how well 0811 works until everybody's on 0811. I'm not going to go to it yet. I tested it. It's okay, but 089 is better. The Michael Fazio modified version. And if there are any IOHK employees or Daedalus employees watching this live stream now, I, I doubt it. You know, Michael Fazio has done a great build. But uh, as pool operators, and I think I speak for multiple pool operators, not everyone, but Michael Fazio is a community member and he's creating the build himself, but it's not an official IOHK build. So, you know, 
taking information from the Fazio build and releasing more concurrent updates with the stamp of IOHK build will give pool operators greater assurance moving forward because the the, the best build should come from IOHK. The standards should come from IOHK. They should be set by IOHK. And um, I'm just going to leave it at that. And I know I don't speak for everyone, but uh, I speak for a few. IOHK did roll some of Michael Fazio's code into one of their builds because it, it's right there on GitHub. It, it's Anyone who can read Rust knows what that code does. So it's kind of like this, Philippe. IOHK still built the bulk of the code, right? And we're going to see this more and more in the future. I guarantee a year from now, two years from now, this kind of stuff is going to happen. So he modified the code to make it more performant. And this code is open source. That's going to happen a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. That's how it works with open source. Someone can get that code, modify it, make it more performant and put out. It's kind of like if I buy a Honda Civic and put a turbocharger on it, I didn't build the entire Honda Civic. I just bought a Honda Civic and stuck a turbocharger on it, made it 500 horsepower, right? Make it a faster Honda Civic. People are going to be doing that in the future. They're going to um, get more hardware. Who knows? They might put it on ASICs, although that would not be the best case scenario. That would be a less than optimal scenario. But people are going to get more performant hardware, more performant code. They're going to modify the code. They might even sell it. You might get a really smart software engineer out there and say, you know what? I'm going to make the best performing Cardano software in the world. and I'm going to sell it. They could. I mean, why not? You could. I think it would be perfectly reasonable. I don't want it to happen, but um, I'm being realistic. It'll probably yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're gonna you're, you're gonna have people doing tuner versions of their Yormungandr nodes. You know, putting LEDs on it, and putting <laughs> a chrome exhaust pipe, and fuzzy dice on the rear view mirror, and custom code. Right? Yeah, yeah. You make a good point. You make a good. You point. watch, watch. I bet Sarah Kell do it too. <laughs> Sarah Kell, be like, we can make it better. <laughs> It'll be like a race to the winning protocol. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Interesting. Let's jump in uh, YouTube to see if there are any comments. There will be another hard fork for Shelly. Yes. At one point in history, the Cardano Foundation has owned all of the ADA. That was from that Nate guy. Incorrect. At no point in history has any one entity owned all of the ADA. No one has ever owned it all. There is on Cardano.org. The Genesis block is in there. The initial distribution of ADA was very highly distributed. Not extremely highly, you know. But it's there. The Genesis block yeah. data is on Cardano.org. No one has ever owned a large portion of the majority. Um, yeah. No one has ever owned the majority of ADA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would imply that it would be a security. Like, and I, I tend to think it's not. I mean, if one entity owned it and then distributed it in, in that way. But there was mm -hmm. a token sale. All the audit reports are on the Cardano Foundation. And they abided by the laws that they needed to in that jurisdiction in order to properly distribute the ADA. Whether you think it's uh whether you think it's fairly distributed or not, that's not the question at hand. They did what they were supposed to do in order to distribute the ADA. Yeah. So on, for technology purposes, it was good to go. No one has ever owned more than fifty one percent or thirty three percent. Yeah. All right. Okay, let's see. Any further updates about McCann Marketing? No. Oh, good question. Falcon Eye Vision asks, are there any further news updates about McCann Marketing strategy campaign? No, not yet. I haven't heard any updates. However, it'll be out. It was a brand refresh. So yes. watch for that. I, I don't think it'll be much longer and we'll see information. Springtime is a great time to put out new stuff. Timed well. 
I think we'll know by the mid to late April um, thing that's going on with in Japan. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Definitely. That's when I think we'll find out or somewhere be- between now and then or then. And we are sponsored by the Cardano Foundation. So we do have access to people at the Cardano Foundation. So we know that there's a lot of news that's coming out. And we're going to have a couple episodes in March that should be interesting to some, interesting to others. I mean, you'll be able to pick and choose which episodes you want, but the Cardano Foundation is working and they're working on a lot of different things. And uh, we hope to premiere some of those things on on the Cardano Effect podcast. Absolutely. I would love to premiere that kind of stuff. And William yeah. Wolf asked, do you guys have any have any date when a mainnet launches so that everyone can stake ADA? No, I do not. We are not privy to that type of planning information. My best guess is late April to mid-May, roughly. Don't hold me to that. I wouldn't bet money on that. That's just my best estimate. Yes. And at this point, I don't think the team knows either. I think there are probably soft dates out there, but there's nothing firm, concrete, because they still have to analyze all the distribution and the data from the ITN in order to make sure that they're ready to go. But we did hit that OBFT hard fork. So Shelly should start soon and then we should wrap up Byron and uh, we should hit mainnet. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's coming, but I don't know when that date is. Yeah. Hey, there's a really good question in there from Cascading Disruption. Should the Pegasus app change their wording from ROI to ROS? Yes. And so should adapools.org. They need to change it from ROI to ROS. The reason being, words are important. And if you call them investors and you call it an investment, then you could be, you know, the SEC might be asking pool operator questions, at least in the United States. And in Daedalus and anywhere else, they need to change the word tax to the word fee, not pool tax. It needs to say pool fee. If the IRS were to come to me and say, how'd you earn that money? And I said, I tax people for a living. The IRS going to throw me in jail. They say, <laughs> you're not allowed to tax people. That's our job. Okay. Why are you trying to steal my job? Taxing people? Oh, but they're from other countries. Oh, really? <laughs> now you can go to federal prison. <laughs> Get the word tax out of there. Rick, all of us are going to be in some white collar prison. Uh, yeah. All the pool operators. <laughs> we're all going to yeah. be having a good time. In Russia, they'll throw you in the gulag. <laughs> They'll throw you in the gulag. You're taxing people, really? You're a pull up. You're some guy. You're some guy at the computer. You're taxing people. Guess guess what? You go sit in the gulag. (laughs) Get the word tax out of there. No, the the SEC doesn't play. The U.S. is just a very precarious situation because it's a lot of lawmakers and legislators that don't understand what is going on. So everything here. This is a very litigious nation, and. Uh, people want their money. And words are important. Individuals and governments. And words, yeah. Words, words are, are important. Every, exactly. If your exactly. word encroaches and you say taxing and investment, then you're going to fall under the rules and regulations for taxing and invest. They're just going to make the rules fit whatever. Okay. These rules apply to you and these rules apply to you. Which one's going to get me the most money? That's the one they're going to hit you with. Exactly. 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 And if you didn't follow those rules, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to learn more about it, Listen to our podcast episode that we released this month with Jonathan Dunsmore. He is a blockchain attorney, and he gave us a lot of tidbits from an attorney's perspective. And while none of this stuff may actually happen to us, you always want to err on the side of caution because you just never know. You never know. The SEC doesn't play. 
Recently in crypto news, the SEC came down on another company, another blockchain company, and they just, they're, they're brutal. They're brutal. So it's, uh, it's just what has to be done. Yep. And I think that's good that they're brutal because accountability in blockchain is extremely important. You know, in the last bull run and all those garbage scam coins, the ERC-20 tokens all over the place, there was no accountability. No, there wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't. And accountability is important. Nobody is going to trust blockchain until accountability is enforced. Yes. And the accountability, it was like no man's land. And people would just say, oh, well, that's blockchain. Like, oh, it's okay to lose thousands of dollars on a high-risk investment. And and they just walk away and say, bye-bye. Thanks for the money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, until you hold, hold those people accountable, nobody's going to buy your garbage again. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. And it gives a bad name to developers who are trying to remain anonymous and make a good product. Yeah. Yeah. Because when they try to do it and they go, well, who are you and wh- where did you come from? And what is this software you want me to put on my computer to secure money with? People are going to be like, nope, I ain't playing. Yeah. Ain't going to play. <laughs> they say, I heard about these people in 2017 and 2018 that got burned doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, because I'll tell them. <laughs> yeah. They will hear about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't lose thousands of dollars and not pay the penalties. I'm going to pass that lesson learned on to somebody else. Big of time. course. <laughs> of course. Of course. You have to do that. You have to do that. Yeah. I got, I, I don't hold, I don't have no pride in that. There's no pride in holding that back. Yeah. I ain't going to let somebody else fall on that sword. I already fell on it twice. <laughs> I've fallen on it, it a couple times too. So I think everyone that's been here since 2017 uh, or a little bit before has, has um, you know, has yeah. encountered some of this nonsense. Yeah. And I want people who build on Cardano to have, I want them to have credibility and opportunity. And I also want them to have accountability too. Right. Yes. And we, we should make a version of the Cardano effect called the Cardano effect after dark. <laughs> and we'll make it. We'll make a segment called the gauntlet. Yeah. And when people want to bring their uh, they, they want to build smart contract. And it depends on the kind If they want to build a token on the Cardano. They're going to have to come through the gauntlet. Yes. Yes. We'll give oh. them an opportunity to prove themselves worthy to build on Cardano. How's that sound? I, I agree. I agree. I agree. But okay. if it smells funny, we're going to call it out. They'll have to face out. you guys. They'll have to face our viewers and the viewers will have to say, hey, is that stuff legit? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We did that with another ERC-20 t- last year. Now they're over on Binance. And- yeah. Yeah. We, we need to do that and then invite some community members and share their opinions and, and just really tear down every single project that's going on within Cardano, at least some of them, at yeah. least the major projects. Yeah. So especially when projects are trying to raise boatloads of money as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's going to be some small projects where people are experimenting and learning and cutting their teeth and those are good. Yeah. As long as they advertise properly and let people know, hey, this is an experiment. Yes. But if they come on here using numbers and saying, oh, $3 trillion market, guess what? If you say that, you're getting the gauntlet. Yes, you are getting <laughs> you're the You're going gauntlet. through the gauntlet. We're going to bring experts on and say, are, are they, what are these guys saying? Is this true? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Because assuming everyone in this chat or most people, they own ADA. And if the price of ADA increases dramatically over time, and we have another sort of when smart contracts come out, there are going to be a lot of companies that are building projects. And there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to try to separate you from your ADA. The ADA that you worked hard to get, the ADA that you dedicated your time, your energy in order to receive, and you've been hodling for so long, they're coming to take your ADA. 
So if you're going to separate yourself from your ADA, make sure it's for a good project. So we want to make sure we we build a knowledge base here so everyone's making informed decisions and you know the risks associated with the project. We're not going to tell anyone whether to invest or not invest in a particular project, but we're going to analyze it and poke holes in everything. Be a skeptic because don't let anyone pry the ADA from your hands after it hits a certain price and you've already earned it and you're back to square zero. Just letting you know that. Yep. And then add to that, there will be good projects. There are going to be great projects on Cardano. And that was subject to the same scrutiny. (laughs) (laughs) Someone asked, there was a question further up from Underwater Frog. Is Cardano also working on total business solutions for companies? Yes. Uh, There are people out there working on it. We're not privy to that information, but there are plenty of business managers at uh, at IOHK and Emergo. That's Emergo's primary thing. We won't know more until smart contracts, though. That's when you'll see that part kick off. The businesses need the smart contract side for it to be more effective, more business uh, friendly. Yes. And I'd like to reiterate that the companies that people are working with, I mean, Rick and I are just not privy to that information. While we were sponsored by IOHK, we didn't really have inside information of what was going on. I mean, with the Cardano Foundation, I feel like we have a lot more information as far as the projects that they're happening that are happening within the next few weeks or the next month. So we know what's going to be going on within the month of March or more or less have have a one to two week jump. But uh, as far as what partnerships or what strategic moves that IOHK is moving, we were never privy to that and uh, we likely won't be. So we will learn it when you learn it. Yep. We put out the news. We're not, we don't have any backdoors. Yes, exactly. exactly. And if we did, well, <laughs> so are we ready to go on the news? Any other questions? Great questions today, guys. Great questions. Yeah, great questions. Great questions. October Black says, with the, with the gauntlet on Cardano After Dark, he says, make it a live chat. I'll be here to grill him. Thank oh, you, October Black. We'll do it. <laughs> we do that. The gauntlet should be a live stream. No softball questions. No, none, none, none. We're coming for the neck. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, what happens if Cardano is not finished by 2020? Will they renew the contract? It, the contract does not go till 2020. The contract goes beyond that. It goes, I don't think it's a date expiration contract. I think it's a milestone completion contract. You're correct. There's Rick. different kinds of contracts. Yes. Different kinds. The initial estimate was 2020, but uh, the other question, will Gogun be done, uh, come out right after Shelly, two to three month gap? Not long. I don't think it'll be long because the building is in parallel. Yeah. Four major projects going on in parallel. Thank you for the questions, guys. On to Reddit? Uh, Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Let me get Reddit. And we, on Reddit, we are on R Cardano, sorted by top this week. Some of the news is also what we already touched on. And the first one in there is the hard fork successful. The OBFT era has begun. That was a huge milestone and there are more to come. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we already touched on that one. I think I had a Cardano network activity is up 300%. That is from Reddit user trade feeds three days ago. Trade feeds is very good at analyzing the charts. I am not. I have to put on my doubter hat with this article. I, I looked through the article on CryptoSlate.com. Once again, we have to, there's a dichotomy between what's actually happening, what the truth is, and, and what's actually happening within the network. Right now, we're in the incentivized test net. People can stake 
with their addresses that were live or within a Daedalus or Yoroi wallet prior to the snapshot in November. So active addresses within Daedalus or Yoroi, I, I don't really measure that as anything impressive at the moment because there's nothing for people to use their ADA on if they're not just staking within the incentivized testnet. New members really can't do anything with their ADA. If we were within a smart contract realm and people could, I don't know, vote or or invest in certain companies or do this or move their ADA around or use like coin mixers or use certain products, then that growth would be it, it would be impressive. But at this point, it's a closed system right now that's happening within the incentivized testnet and network activity up 300% does not mean anything. At least that's my opinion. And I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. But the good thing is that at least they use graphs that show daily active addresses in that article because you can't go by total number. I can make a ton of addresses right now. I just click, click, click and it'll pop out new ones. These are actually active addresses where transactions are occurring. That's how it looks. So that's on the plus side. Philippe, I always appreciate your critique of information because the crypto community is guilty of hype. And Philippe is the anti-hype, or at least the hype tamer. He tames the <laughs> hype and brings it back to a, a normalization level. And I think all of our viewers appreciate that, Philippe. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Sometimes people call it a rant. It's good rant. Good rant. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> Now, there's another – I'm sorry. We, the next one. You got the next one, buddy. Okay. Next one is uh, thank you, Yodoy and Emergo Devs. This is a quick read. I am an old-time Daedalus diehard fan, but lately it has been a difficult to use despite the new update, at least for me. Meanwhile, the new upgraded Yodoy is great. I did not move from Daedalus to Yodoy before as there were balanced discrepancies when doing so in previous versions. Not anymore. All major issues solved in such a simple and efficient interface. It is a pleasure to use it. I will stick to this super Yodoi while Daedalus is still recovering over the next weeks. Then we'll give it a try once again. This is mainly a shout out and a big thanks for the great work of the Emergo devs and the outstanding results of the latest version of the ITN Yodoi. So great, great post. Perfect article. I agree 100%. You know, Yodoi got wrecked over the Christmas holidays and not to the fault of Emergo. It was just timing. Just sometimes things happen, right? But Emergo and Yoroi has made a massive comeback, and Yoroi is now the go-to wallet with all the Daedalus issues that people are running into. And if anyone does have Daedalus issues presently with 2.1.0, my suggestion is make sure you got your 15-word passphrase. Delete everything from the old wallet. Go find all the old files, Daedalus ITN, delete it all out, create an entire new one from scratch, save yourself the headache. All those workarounds are getting old. They kind of work. They kind of don't. On my computer, when I did 2.1.0, this computer I got right here, it worked perfect. Poof. Instantaneous. On my wife's computer, it was a nightmare. If I wasn't here, it wouldn't be working right now. <laughs> <laughs> exact same thing. Mac OS laptop. So you either use your ROI or delete all the old Daedalus stuff and start from scratch. That was a beautiful post. Thank you, Perry Walker, for that. Yes. Uh, the next one was from uh, Seiko Nariza that 8.11 is out for the ITN. Yes, it is out. It's not very popular used right now. Pool operators, I talked about that earlier. They kind of rejected it and went back to 0.89 and earlier. The OBFT hard fork countdown, OPFT hard fork complete. 
We spoke about OBFT earlier in the podcast, and for the new users, it means Ouroboros Byzantine Fault Tolerance, and it is the bridge from Byron to Shelley. So it's just preparing us. It is a minimalistic version of Ouroboros, and it will prepare us to make that migration over to the Shelley mainnet. Yep. And what's our next one there? Thank you, Philippe. I think we can skip down. I wanted to talk about the Wyoming investment. You know, we're getting towards the latter part of the podcast. So there was an article. I mean, there have been articles written about it already. And it's uh, even Caitlin Long uh, responded to it on Twitter saying it was great. So what happened was IOHK, the Cardano funds Wyoming, the University of Wyoming. They gave them $500,000 in ADA. And this is supposed to boost blockchain development for Cardano. So the idea is to start probably training Plutus and Marlow developers and making sure that we get some developers over in the Wyoming area to work on the Cardano project. And one of the questions that I saw a couple times reiterated, people think that University of Wyoming is going to dump on people because they received $500,000. And at the time when I was analyzing the articles, that was around 7 million ADA. But this has probably been in works for, I don't know, months. So they could have gotten it at a much lower price. So we're going to say between 7 million and 15 million ADA because ADA right now is, I don't know, 6 cents. At some point a few weeks ago or a month ago, it was at like 3 cents. So if we can estimate that they got anywhere from the range of 7 to 15 million ADA, I think that's a, 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 fair, a fair assessment. But I don't think people should be worried about University of Wyoming dumping ADA. And this is why, because that's not how university grants work. If you are a real legitimate university, grants have to last a certain degree of time. They're usually parsed over certain years. And the reason why I think that they even took this kind of investment is because ADA has a proof of stake platform that can replenish or they can basically survive off the return on stake of their investment. So let's say University of Wyoming opens up a stake pool, puts their stake in there, and then receives ADA for securing the network. They can use that to build their developer base and have it last 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 years. That's how university endowments work. If you look at all the major universities that have very large endowments, you look at Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Stanford, they have billions of dollars of investment. And this could come in stocks, mutual funds, any sort of assets. They're not dumping on people because that investment has to last a long period of time. There's a reason why Harvard is the richest university and has is the oldest university in the United States. It's not because they blew all their money in year one. They've lasted 200, 300 years. They've lasted long periods of time because they parse out their investments and they use, they, they live off the interest. They live off the interest of their endowments. And that's what fuels them from year to year. So assuming that University of Wyoming is going to dump this year is not, that doesn't make much sense. They're going to be using it to develop and grow a program for a long period of time. Otherwise, they would have just invested in ADA and done it themselves, but they're partnering with Cardano. They're partnering with IOHK. There are pictures with them together. So this is likely going to be, it may open up a department. You may have kids in the future and they go to University of Wyoming and there's some IOHK Cardano department, a whole, a whole, a whole buildings dedicated to that, to that, um, to coding and Plutus. You never know. 
but that's the long-term scheme of these kind of things. So I don't think University of Wyoming is going to dump. That was a long-winded talk, but yeah. No, that's good because that makes it clear to people think they're smart. They're not going to dump. I mean, I wouldn't if I were them. <laughs> not anytime soon anyway. Yeah. You know, because they have, they got to be good caretakers of their own resources, just like everybody else. And, you know, I think it's cool because we had the University of Tokyo was working on the project. I don't know if they're still involved. We got University of Athens and University of Edinburgh. I think Penn State University involved with something. Now you got Wyoming. Yes. I think it's great, man. I think it's yes. fantastic. And did, uh, there was a ribbon cutting opening ceremony going on in Wyoming. And I saw a lot of awesome tweets from both Charles and Caitlin Long on the subject. So check out Caitlin Long on Twitter. She's very inspirational. Comes to Wyoming and blockchain news. They're going to be a trailblazer. They also have uh, Cardano Foundation. I think they funded the MIT Media Lab. So MIT may be holding some ADA as well. And and, be, and they're doing some research as well. Nice. Always good to have MIT on the team, especially if they get involved in security and stuff like that. Oh, of course. Of course. Heck of yeah. course. That's where your super hackers are at. Uh, there were some points brought up in the chat. I'll hop over the chat for a bit. We have about less than 10 minutes left. Okay. Someone asked about the Euroi app delegation. I extremely highly recommend Euroi Mobile because I have both my main net and my test net wallet in the Euroi mobile app. It's both in the same app. That's nice. And it has the delegation center. So you can go find your favorite pool and delegate right there from the Euroi mobile app. I really enjoy that. I can never speak for security. People often ask for security. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that mobile devices tend to be secure, as secure as the user practices Good security habits. That's all I can say. I don't know yeah. about a security. I can't security audit all that code, but I do know Euroi is a great app. I love it. It's great. Especially this Euroi mobile app. You get uh, you got both wallets in the same one. In case anyone was confused about that, there's not two different ones, just one. And you open up your mainnet and your testnet wallet from the same app. Uh, someone said they already did it on iOS. It works fine. Yes, it does work fine on iOS. Mine's on iOS. Apple's just a little bit slower than Samsung. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, Rick, I don't know why you bought a new iPhone. <laughs> I'm going to stay on them because I'm going to stay on them. Somebody got to do it. Okay. <laughs> Somebody got I won't reject them. I will okay. stay on them. Okay. 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 That's, I like it. <laughs> that's what I'll do. I'll keep pounding away. I, I have grounds to pound on them. I have your product. I get to complain. <laughs> if you don't have the product, don't complain. Go buy a different product. <laughs> oh, cascading disruption. Always funny. Says Captain Charles mentioned that Chelly launch party will be when the cherry blossoms fall in Kyoto. This will be between 20 March and 13 April. Do you think this will be the later we on track? I think it'll be on time. At least the cherry blossoms. They will never let you down. <laughs> I, I might be I might be in Yokohama at that same time. I won't be able to go there if they have a party because I'll be working in Yokohama. But uh, I was there last year for cherry blossom season. It was like April 12th. The cherry blossoms showed up. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It's crazy in Japan in the springtime, mid middle of April. Now, Kyoto's up on the, uh, the Sea of Japan side, on the northwestern side. Or over towards the western side. So their weather's a little different. So theirs might be, could be earlier or later. I don't know. But probably around early to mid-April, probably. That sounds nice. Japan is on my bucket list. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it's not on my bucket list. I'll go back there anytime. I love <laughs> Japan. Holy cow. 
I got lucky last year. I went into I went to a park and there was nobody there, and it was just full of cherry blossoms. I just walked up hill and I was by myself, and I was like, I'm in a storybook. Oh wow! I swear I was in a storybook, man. <laughs> I took pictures. I'll send them to you. All right. Anything else? Max, theoretical max transactions per second. I don't know. That was a Reddit question. We'll figure that out. Yeah. There was a, so the current version, the current test net, I did test it a while back at 10,600 transactions per 450 seconds, whatever that comes out to, some number. Uh, you can fit 250 transactions in a block in the current test net. Okay. Block time is about 20 seconds. You do the math. Uh, there was information put out that there has been testing on Hydra simulations, simulations on Orbor's Hydra. The transactions per second is potentially in the thousands. Don't take that as hype. Take that as potentially, you got to figure out how stuff is going to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably the next biggest milestone to look forward in, in the transactions per second and the transaction per second testing, because everyone likes to know how fast is your car? What's the zero to 60 time? What's the zero to 100 time, right? is after the Haskell test node comes out, the operators are going to have to prepare for a couple of things. They're going to have to set up a relay node and a core node. They're going to have to use a public IP address that's permanent. You're going to have to get a permanent address, not use a DHCP if you've been using DHCP. And somehow DNS is going to be involved. involved. Domain name service is going to be involved with the Haskell version of the test net. I don't know if it will be right away or if it will be a couple revisions before the DNS portion is activated. So be ready for that. Read up on DNS uh, and how that works in case you're not familiar with it and you happen to be running a node, um, just make sure you understand how to put records in and do all that kind of stuff because that's that's going to happen. <laughs> well, I read that in a Telegram chat from a very reliable IOHK guy and I read that and I said, that will happen. I guarantee it. Because if he says it, it will happen. <laughs> that was Sam. If Sam says it, it's gonna happen. that's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, reliable. that's as reliable as it gets right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it comes from Sam, just engrave it in stone. That's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see. I think we got through anything else. Yeah. We had just a few more questions on uh, YouTube, and then we can, we can sign off. We have a question from Borislav Stoikov. When ledger staking will be available? So- Ledger, I mean, I'm not sure whether or not you made it in time for the snapshot, um, but like you can't if you have your ADA right now on a ledger and you were you you had your ADA after or you had your ADA on a ledger during the snapshot, you can't stake. You're gonna have to wait until mainnet. And um, I'm not sure exactly when you're going to directly be able to use your ledger to stake uh, when we hit mainnet. But I'm there. That is a feature that they are working on or they are looking at. So it's going to come sometime in the future for sure. Yep. All right. There's a question there from October Black. Rick, will IOHK create a way for the protocol to calculate taxes from rewards? No, I don't think so. If you mean fees, uh, no, taxes. Okay, I got you. No, because taxes change quickly. They sometimes change year to year. They vary by location. Taxes are way too complicated. If I ever get in trouble with taxes, Philippe, I'm going to move to Belize, <laughs> all right? I'm going to be like John McAfee out there on a boat in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> running a node with a satellite. 
Oh, you satellite internet be running a node out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. No, they won't be calculating taxes. It's too complicated. Changes too quickly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Get your get get a CPA and let that person work for you because uh, yeah, that's that's too difficult. That is too difficult. Yep. 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 Cascading di- disruption says, "What price does Ada have to be for you to get a Cardano tattoo?" <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what was all time high? Was dollar twenty seven dollar thirty? Dollar thirty one. You know that Daedalus Minotaur that comes up when you launch Daedalus? <laughs> get that bad boy in my chest. <laughs> no, not on my. I don't know. Yeah, I'd say dollar dollar thirty one. All right, dollar thirty one Minotaur tattoo. <laughs> How about you? How much does it have to be for you yeah. to get that tattoo? Yeah, that's the real question. That's the real question. And can you live stream that? We'll we'll we'll, we'll put it on uh, the Cardano effects. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> What a terrible idea! I'll yeah. probably end up doing it. That's that's the bad. That's the worst bad idea we have. We should yeah. probably do it. <laughs> Capital Pink says Hedera is able to reach transaction finality in seconds, no block confirmation times. My question is: Do you think blockchain can ever reach this transaction finality speed? I'm not familiar with that project. Is it a DAG? Because if so, th- that's what they tell you, but doesn't mean the network is as secure as as other networks. If it is a DAG, like a directed acyclic graph, you have batches of transactions happening at different core nodes and those nodes don't necessarily communicate with each other. So you can have very fast transaction speed in one cluster. But if one cluster is not communicating with that other cluster, then there's no consensus and you can do multiple transactions or multiple charges within a certain block. You can literally just bankrupt the entire protocol. And uh, there's a lot of DAGs that, you know, they tote that speed and stuff like that, but then they have issues and, you know, they run into issues like IOTA, you know, not hating on IOTA or anything, but that's what happens when you have DAGs and uh, it's it's been proven. So it's like, you know, when the masses find out about your protocol and they know that they can double spend and they're at Walmart, trust me, they're going to be running through that self-checkout line 50 times in, the, in, in this period of 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, Philippe, you mentioned IOTA. I got to apologize, man. I usually don't do this, but IOTA's garbage. That should go away. They can turn it off. They turned it off. Yeah. They turned it off. They yeah. turned off something called the con- the coordinator and yeah. it no longer runs. <laughs> That's not a blockchain. Get that out of here, man. Yeah. Throw it in the trash. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. say that about Tezos. Tezos is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I've seen people, I've seen Tezos fans get in an argument with Cardano fans. We don't need to argue with Tezos. We can learn from Tezos. It, we, it, yeah, yeah. We can, learn from, we can learn from how they do their, uh, the Tezos bakers is the same as a pool operator. Yeah. And, and how they do percentages and how yeah. they raise and lower. That's been a hot topic lately, raising and lowering the pool fee percentage. Notice I said fee and not tax. Yeah. Fee. Yeah. Low, raising and lowering the fee percent. There's a lot to be learned from Tezos. So we could pay attention. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Agreed. We don't need we don't need to argue to Tezos Bubba's. Okay. Yeah. They're good folks. But IOTA, get that out of here. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean Dude, if if some blockchains need to die off, that's one of them. Yeah. That's like your parents turning off your video game console by just yanking the switch. I mean, if yeah. someone can do that, like that's great. I mean, not come a blockchain. On. Come that's on. garbage. That's come garbage. On. Get that out of here. Oh, sorry, LaRich. LaRich said a few times, he said, hey, senior, I'm standing by for further instructions. I, I don't know if he's re- referring to it. I'm, I'm a retired Navy senior chief. I was a senior chief petty officer in the Navy. I guess you were talking to me, LaRich. Sorry, I didn't see that. <laughs> Appreciate it. I, I have no instructions. I have none. HHK Lassie says, hard fork, we get new coins. No, no. 
you're not getting any new coins. This is a behind the scenes hard fork. So this is an exchange. This is like an ex- a hard fork for the exchanges, and it's it's migrating us from Byron to Shelley. You have nothing to worry about as an end user. Just keep on doing what you were doing since the beginning. And uh, but there's no new coins. It's not like there's a Cardano Shelley and a Cardano Byron. Right now, it's just one unified Cardano. And keep in mind that future hard forks, you probably still will not have to do anything. But worst case scenario is click a button in a Daedalus wallet when you're using Daedalus, right? So if there's a hard fork, it'll be like a button press where you say, oh, you know, update my wallet's blockchain, click, and then, you know, they planned it out well. Uh, Let's see. Someone disliked the video as soon as Rick went off on IOTA. Good. Uh, so <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Let's shut them off. Just like the, I- uh, the IOTA people. <laughs> Let's pull that switch. Yeah, we'll just turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. man. Yeah. So October black says, I noticed there, are, um, there's no adversarial forks. Yeah. I mean, they come and go. There's still a couple adversarial forks here and there. So that issue still hasn't been solved completely. Yeah. Ola Rich is an electrician's mate in the Navy. Congratulations and thank you for your service, La Rich. EM2, he's an electrician. That is some hard, hard work, man. That is some heavy-duty hard work right there. I admire electricians. My hat's off to you, sir. Cascading Disruption says $2, and I'll live stream the tattoo on the Cardano effect. <laughs> Hold me to it. All right. Okay. You're on. You're on. <laughs> I know we said I know we said we're you know we're sponsored by the Cardano Foundation so shout out to the Cardano Foundation we're our own entity we create the Cardano effect but we may have to run that by them if we're doing a live stream of a tattoo session just letting you know No we don't they don't there's no rules there's no rules Okay, <laughs> no, okay. so we'll do it we'll do it let's yeah, do it matter of fact I'll throw in 108 if he does it <laughs> At $2 that's a lot of money I'll pay for okay, the let, that might pay for the it. tattoo if you get it done in prison Let's do it Okay Okay Okay. All right. I think we're good, and we are. Okay. Uh, we are at our hour. We've yeah. We don't want to. We we don't. We don't want to make this too long because people tune out, and we want to try to make it as exciting as possible, as concise as possible. And we find that an hour for a podcast is is the way to go. Some people can't even stand an hour, so I would recommend you to go to TCE Clips, where we publish some clips, some short clips of what we do. But our sessions are good to go. And uh, yeah, um, there's one more question. William Wolf, how does staking a coin continue once the maximum supply has been reached? For Cardano, they'll be using transaction fees. So there's going to be an entire treasury. So all the little transaction fees that everyone is paying on a day-to-day basis, they're all going to be conglomerated into this giant treasury, decentralized treasury, and then distributed as fees afterwards once we hit that max supply. So I think that's it. Should we sign off? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. So we want to thank everyone for spending this Saturday with us, wherever you are on this planet. We talked about a lot of different things. We talked about Russ versus Haskell. We talked about the new Daedalus update. We talked about Yodoi. We talked about the Ouroboros BFT, Byzantine Fault Tolerance, the University of Wyoming ADA donation. We hit some Reddit posts and we hit some YouTube questions as well. Um, we talked about, uh, I think that's it. I yeah. Mean, some stake pools and-, and questions on the chat. Yes. So we appreciate everyone here. Please hit that subscribe button. If you like what we do, hit that thumbs up and then hit that subscribe button. If you dislike what we do, hit that thumbs down and then hit that subscribe button. Keep on tuning in. We have a lot of great guests coming on. March should be fun. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. We have some news for you. All right. 
Have a wonderful Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. Spend some time with some family friends. Until the next episode of the Cardano Effect, everyone. Bye.